0: Holy Ghost, the God whom we adore, be glory as it was, is now, and shall be evermore. Amen. There's this New Yorker cartoon in which these two ladies are talking over a glass of Chardonnay. And one says to the other, I wish my identity weren't so wrapped up with who I am. I understand. I wish my identity wasn't so wrapped up with who I am, at least by nature. But wait, Christian man, Christian woman, who are you in Christ? The New Testament teaches us that we may be bold to say that we are children of God. And once we believe that, everything changes. And I direct your attention to the words that the Apostle Paul wrote Where, once again, he draws our attention to this uh, magnificent, this incredible dignity, this glorious position in which we find ourselves. He said, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, a Father. It is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God and children than heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. Children of God, fellow heirs with Christ. No greater words, I think, have been spoken uh, than, than these words. But before I talk more about this, let me just briefly address that last phrase, if children... Then fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. The word translated here, provided, is used six times in the New Testament. And if we examine each one of these times, we will see that it is not a a phrase that was intended to imply doubt about our status. Our status as children of God is not contingent. ...upon our suffering. Paul's point here is that suffering in this world is inevitable. And even as children of God we will suffer as Jesus himself suffered... ...and that we will be glorified as Jesus himself was glorified. See, Christians in Rome were suffering... ...and Paul is very anxious to deliver them from a depression and despondency. And these amazing words that he wrote to them are words for Christians in all ages... If what we read here is true, that we are children of God and co-heirs with Christ, then we can have a wonderful new lease on life. Now, I am compelled to pause here to say that the father of lies deplores this good news. And one of the ways that this spreader of false doctrine has operated is to take this doctrine of children of God, and to expand it, to include all members of the human race. Modern false prophets, at just about every interfaith gathering that takes place anywhere, speaks these sweet words, we are all children of God. It sounds so good, it sounds so loving. The devil seldom uses harsh, ugly words, but loving words. But you see, what, we're all children of God, what that does is to cut the work of Jesus Christ on the cross right out right out of the equation, much to the delight of the Father's lies, It is the plain teaching of Jesus himself that human beings who are by nature children of Adam, children of darkness, could become children of God by believing in him, receiving him. In the first chapter of John we read, Jesus came to his own home and his own people received him not. But all who received him, all who believed in his name, he gave power to become Children of God. And thus to the Galatians, Paul wrote, you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Can't get much clearer. Now let's take a closer look at this remarkable passage in Romans. For he said, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. See, that was a time when God brought the Jews out of Egypt and he put them under the law. God was a father, but that was a title. It wasn't a personal name. It was the father of Israel, Abraham, and father of Isaac and Jacob. But this notion of a fatherhood was a, a title and it was a, implied a painfully demanding father. But Paul is saying to the Romans here, you are no longer, no longer like a slave in bondage under the law. You are to now live in freedom. And not just as a freed slave, as wonderful as that would be. But as, the, as a member of the family of God, Paul fully realized that there would be, always be a human tendency to take the gospel of grace and turn it back into law and put us into bondage, justification of our accomplishments. And I have to, pause here to ask in your Christian journey, do you feel more like a, a slave under the law or a child of God? Let's well, bring this brings us into even clearer focus. He said, you have received the spirit of adoption. When you cry, Abba, Father, is the spirit of himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Now, in the ancient synagogue, the Jews did and do address God as Father. But never by the form of the word that we have here, Abba, Father, which is more like the English words Papa or Daddy. Just before Jesus went to the cross, he cried, Have a father, remove this cup from me, but not my will, thou wilt be done. That basic word tells us that the first person of the Trinity is not some transcendent one like Islam's Allah, but more like a loving father who is more like the father of the prodigal and the elder son in Jesus' parable. That's in Luke chapter 15. Go home and reread the uh, prodigal son parable uh, reread that for the first time and see what, what love that the Father has given us that we should be called children of God and so we are 1 John 3, 1 Paul used adoption is used by Paul five times in the New Testament it signifies being granted full privileges and rights into a family in which one does not naturally belong by nature and God did not need to adopt me because He needed children. <clears throat> you talk about grace. <clears throat> you know, there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve—punishment, for example—but grace is getting what you don't deserve—adoption, for example, into God's family. Endless your grace, oh, endless your grace, beyond more mortal dream, endless your grace. To quote the Pilgrim's Hymn, I know a clergyman who adopted a child from war-torn, war-torn Afghanistan, I think it was, but the child had, had lost his parents in a in a bombing in which he was also injured, he was disfigured, he lost his arm, most of his nose, his face, required serious cosmetic surgery. And I greeted the man one day uh, in my office here, and he brought the boy along, and he introduced Uh, The little boy, to me, he said, Frank, meet my son. He said to me just as boldly and as affectionately uh, as any father possibly could. And he later told me about a year later after he brought the boy uh, to the United States and into his home that the son one evening after supper supper was uh, in the man's study was looking up at a painting on his wall and he said, "Uh, Papa, as he was instructed to call him, he said, Papa, one day if uh, you don't want that painting anymore, Would it be okay if I had it? And the father paused for a minute and said, son, don't you realize that all that I have is yours? And he said the little boy just looked at him in amazement. But that is the the power of adoption and being co-heirs with Christ. You know, none of us deserve to be a child of God. Not a soul in this church today, or listening on the radio, or listening on the Internet, deserves to be a son or daughter of God. We are by nature a far, far cry from such an incredible status. And yet, God has provided a way, and that way is through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's no wonder that the devil wants to sugarcoat this wonderful message of grace into something that it is not. Get behind us, Satan. Your sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ, Galatians 3.26. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake.